0: Welcome to The Jury is Out, a podcast by and for trial lawyers looking for better ways to serve their clients. Your co hosts are John Simon, founder of The Simon Law Firm, and St. Louis attorney Eric Veith. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Jury's Out. I'm here with Eric Veith at The Simon Law Firm. And today's topic is going to be deposition, specifically your client's deposition, preparing your client for deposition. A lot of people
1: that I've talked to over the years have talked about preparing the client as though it's it's just a thing. You sit down, you talk to the client, but I think it's fraught with
0: danger and opportunity. You hit it right on the head, Eric, and that is it's fraught with danger and opportunity. I think that preparing your client for deposition, to me, there are two times in any case where I'm most anxious or nervous And I think those would be when my client gives a deposition and when I have an expert, a retained expert, giving a deposition. It doesn't matter what they say. You're dealing with it. They're saying it because of their position in the case. Your client says something, and you just bought it. You got it. You're stuck with it. That's it. And so to me, I'm always, as they say, on the edge of my seat when my client gives a deposition. I mean, that's just the way it is. But the flip side of that is it is an incredible opportunity it's an opportunity for you and your, for your client to make an incredible impression. As we all know, anybody that tries cases knows this. Your most important evidence, your most important exhibit in your case, Exhibit A1, is your client. And I've had cases where they're very, very tough, difficult cases with great clients, and we do well almost all the time on those. I've had what I thought were really strong, good cases with not-so-good clients, and we struggle sometimes with those. So to me, I would rather have a good client and the toughest case in the world. Give me that any day, and, and we'll go to battle, and, and I like our chances. Why not put your best foot forward, make a good impression, let the client understand how important this is. It's not just what they say and how they answer questions. You want them to be truthful and honest and straightforward, but also you know their appearance, how they dress. All of those things need to be considered. Most attorneys They'll worry a lot about that and pay attention to that one for trial, right? Well, it's not just trial. It starts with the deposition. So I think it's like a lot of things we do. It's very, very important. It's a great, great opportunity to advance the case and make a great, great first impression with your client. And it is treacherous. I mean, it's dangerous if the client isn't properly prepared, if they don't understand the process. One bad answer can turn the whole case upside down. And here, we do a really good job. Of preparing our clients for their deposition, we we don't do it on the day of the deposition. We do it in stages, maybe two weeks ahead of time, one week ahead of time, and then maybe a little bit the day before, probably. And to me, that's the most important part of your case. And if it's your case, you need to be there with your client. You need to be sitting side by side. The other thing too is, to me, bringing the client in on the day of their deposition, an hour or so before to prepare. I don't want to say this too strongly, but that might be malpractice <laughs> to do that. You know, you don't know what's going to come up. Every client is different. They're coming into an environment that they don't understand. They're, they're nervous. There's a lot at stake. And you just really need to take your time. And, and as you said, it is fraught with danger, but it's an incredible, incredible opportunity. I've had cases where the attorney on the other side will walk out of a deposition of my client And we'll be out in the hallway and say, what a nice person. What a wonderful young man. You've got a great client. And what does that tell me? That tells me that my case is on track. And so uh, that's really what we're going to talk about today. It's very, very important. And what I'd like to go through today, Eric, is some of the things with you, not just how to prepare and things you don't want to overlook, but some specific questions that come up on a regular basis that you need to be prepared for, your client needs to be prepared for, so that they get it and they know how to handle the questions. Your client might be an
1: honest person who's nervous, uptight about the deposition, and doesn't look their best. Sometimes it requires some personal attention, like having them look confident and sit up in their seat, look at the other attorney, speak loud enough that you're not looking, maybe not honest. Sometimes people who are nervous look not honest, and we want to get rid
0: of all that. And so they can be the best version of themselves. We do that here all the time. And that is not just talking to the client about the process and what some of the questions may be, but I always, in every case, either myself or I have another attorney they haven't met yet, come in and question them and practice a little bit for 30 minutes or 45 minutes and see how they do and talk to them about how they're doing, which leads into another aspect of being the best best version of themselves. I mean, I love that. You want your client to be the best version of themselves. And I say it's an opportunity to create your own facts. And as I said, I don't want it to sound wrong, but for instance, I have had clients, and all the time, they're clearly unable to go back to work. They're clearly disabled, right? And the question is, what have they been doing for the last 24 months or the last 18 months? Well that question's going to be asked at trial. And what do you want the answer to that question to be? That I sit at home and watch TV? I sit at home on the couch waiting for my case to get resolved, okay? And here's the neat part. If you try to get the client to do what's best for them, to get on with their life, to me that's the best thing you can do for their case when they come in and say, "What do I need to do?" You know, is there anything I need to do as far as the case? My answer is the best thing you can do for your case is to completely forget about it and move on as if it doesn't exist and get on with your life. And that's really the best thing they can do for their case. And let me give you give everybody a couple examples. I had a young man who was involved in a, in a bad accident. It was a trucking accident, and a very young man lost his leg, and very, very bright. I mean, incredibly intelligent, and before the accident, he dropped out of high school, and really wasn't going anywhere. He had wonderful parents, and he just wasn't doing anything, okay? He ends up getting in this, in this accident and actually losing his leg, one of his legs. So when he came in, and he was, at the time, he was the same age as my oldest son, and I really, you know, was kind of personal to me because I'm sitting there talking, to him. I think he was 20 years old at the time, 21 years old, got his whole life ahead of him. A terrible thing happened to him. And he wasn't listening to his parents about trying to get things back on track. And they were just really good, wonderful people. And so I started talking to him about, let's forget about the case. Let's talk about you. Where are you going? What do you want to do? He wanted to be a musician, and he wanted to teach music. And we helped him, our office. One of the folks here at the office, I think it was one of the paralegals, drove him to sign up to get his GED. So fast forward to trial. 24 months later, we're in the courtroom He had gotten his GED and completed 60 hours of credits at our local community college and carried, get this, a 4.0. And he was heading to getting the degree that he wanted in music. And when he got on the stand, the jury loved him, absolutely loved him. The defense lawyer, I remember, was kind of shocked because he said, wow, they had all these things, not so favorable things that he was doing before the accident. And the defense lawyer in open court in front of the jury said, wow, it sounds like You've really got things together very well since this, you know, since this incident. And the jury understood he was a responsible young man. He was heading in the right direction, giving him money. It was going to be a wise decision, not a bad decision. And when he was on the stand, the defense lawyer you know, asked, tell me what you can't do. And he said, there's nothing I can't do if I put my mind to it. And after a week and a half of trial, that case settled, and it settled for what we wanted. And that was a situation where I felt better about helping this young man get some direction in his life than I did about the result in the case. And that's what's so cool about what we do. We're attorneys and we're counselors at law, okay? And when people come in, their lives are upside down, man. They're all scrambled. They don't know where to head or or what to do. And part of what we do is say, look, there are two things here to talk about. Talk about you and your life and what you're going to do and also the case. And What goes on in their life is way important in this case, as important as as the case is. So it all goes back, Eric, to what you said in the beginning, and that is you want to present the best version of themselves, of your client. It's an incredible, incredible opportunity. And I've had clients in wheelchairs, paralyzed, and I've talked to them about getting involved in organizations or groups to help counsel paralyzed folks to work at at certain charities, to get involved in the community, to do things that is gonna help them first and foremost, but it also is a terrific boost for their case. It tells the jury a lot about who they are. I also think about that phrase, attorney and counselor at law.
1: We have a moral obligation to not do the opposite of what you just suggested, which would be to encourage the client to feel sorry for himself or herself, to wallow in that thought and to go into court trying to present themselves as being incapable of doing anything meaningful in their life. What a terrible thing to dump upon any human being that that's okay to do, even if you think it will get your case more money. I don't think it will. I think it will do the opposite, just like you suggested. I agree. I think it hurts your case, absolutely. A jury wants a hero. No one likes anyone who's going to say
0: whoa, is me, I can't do anything, and please give me a bunch of money. I agree 100%. Absolutely. So one of the things, you know, we talked about creating your own facts and helping the client get back on the right direction in life and how that helps. I think another thing, too, that's very important is, and this is why you can't just prep a client the day of or the day before, you need to know everything there is to know about your client. And nowadays, that's a heavy lift. we got all this uh, social media stuff. If your client has filed a lawsuit before, you need to know all about that. If they filed a work comp claim, you need to know all about that. If they had any prior medical treatment or injuries related to what's going on in your case, you need to not only know about that, you need to get the medical records, you know, look at them, study them, organize them, maybe talk to the doctors. And all of these things, you know, social media, wow, are they on Facebook or whatever it is? And then that's something you need to talk to them about at the get-go when they come in your office about, Everything's fair game nowadays. You don't want to put things there out of context or, as you said, you want to put the best version of them forward. They need to present the best version of themselves. But nowadays, it doesn't just happen at that deposition for two hours. It happens from the moment they come in your office forward. That version of themselves is not only being painted or created by what goes on in a two-hour deposition, but it's being created and generated by what they post on social media. So you really need to know everything that there is to know and not just come in and say, okay, tell me about this or tell me about that. I think it's important to explain to the client why it's important and that what's out there, no matter what it is, for how long ago is fair game, and it may be something that they're presented with at trial or at a deposition. And, you know, as I say, if we know about it, we can deal with it. If we don't know about it, we can't do it. So you got to know all about Everything, everything in the client's past. I've got an anecdote on that. I
1: learned it secondhand, thirdhand. Rick Friedman wrote a book called Becoming a Trial Lawyer. In the book, he mentions a story about Don Keenan, who's another well-known plaintiff attorney. And according to Friedman's book, Don usually sets aside time to spend a night in his client's home during the course of the lead up to the trial in order to get to know the client. And then the comment was, well, you get to know a lot about your client when you're walking around in a bathrobe, brushing teeth, but he wants to really know the client. Now, I've never done this, but he says you get to know lots more about your client. You form a much better relationship, and you'll actually be able to help the client's case because you really do know them better. I have
0: never heard of that before, but that's intriguing. Yeah, I've never spent the night with <laughs> with the client. I don't know that they'd want me spending the night with them, but... I always, always visit them at their home. I have cases, for example, I had a client who was paralyzed, and I spent a morning, afternoon, a whole day at the routine, you know, getting up in the morning, getting dressed, getting ready, getting bathed, to get a full understanding of what life is like for them with the injury. The other thing too, I think, is you want to spend time with your client, whether it's spending the day at their house, whether it's spending the night, I mean, and I don't know that you need to spend the night in all cases I think it's a, be interesting be interesting to do it a couple of times maybe I don't maybe I don't appreciate the the impact but I would tell you this the worst thing you want to do is have your client come in for depot prep and it's the first time that you've met them or you haven't talked to them or seen them since they came into your office 6 or 8 months earlier you really need to spend the time getting to know your client and you need to describe the process the deposition process I think that's very important Almost all of the clients that I have have never been through anything like this. They've never been at a deposition. They've never seen a deposition, much less been in a deposition. And I think one of the things to do is to calm them down. And the best way to do that is explain the process. Let them know what to expect. Let them know you're going to be there sitting right by their side throughout the entire process. I let them know that the other attorney will not be rude or unprofessional because I won't allow that to happen at the deposition. I take them into the room in our office where the deposition is going to take place. And I point to the chair and say, now there's where the court reporter is going to sit. You're going to be sitting right here. I'm going to be sitting here next to you. The other lawyer will be over here. And then I also explain why the court reporter is there, that everything they say is taken down just the way they say it. If there's a nod of a head, that doesn't go down. I let them know that it's their deposition. They can take a break as often as they want. They have the ability to clarify, ask for clarification on a question if they don't understand it. But just to let them know the process. And, and also, I think, too, is to let them know the importance of it, the amount of time that you're spending on it getting them ready. Bottom line is they need to know that you care about them as well as their case. And I think that takes care of it for you. You know, I tell the lawyers in this office all the time, it's so important. I think it's the philosophy of what we do here at this office. If you put your client's interest ahead of yours, everything else will take care of itself. That's the overriding rule or philosophy I think every attorney should, should strive to follow. If you put your client's interest above your own, ahead of your own, literally everything else takes care of itself, and it really does. I have prepared a client for deposition probably more than 2,000 times over the last 30 plus years. I've done this a lot. And what I've come away with is there are certain fundamental principles or rules, if you want to call them, that apply to any deposition in any case. It doesn't matter what it is, wrongful death case, malcommercial dispute, copyright, patent infringement case. And I have boiled it down to four basic simple rules and it's one of the first things that I talk to my client about when we start the preparation process for their deposition. One, listen to the question that is asked and answer that question fully and completely. That's rule number 1. Rule number 2, if you're not sure about an answer, let everybody know you're not sure. Tell them what you do know about the, que- you know, the answer to the question. But if you're not certain about something, let them know. Three, you know, make sure you know what your case is about, why you're here, why you filed a lawsuit. It's important to know the basics of that, not the intricacies or the technicality, but generally why you're here. And four, probably the most important, be nice. That's it. Those are the four rules. And when I talk to my client about those basic, I call them guidelines, basic guidelines or rules, and I say, now, you knew every one of those before we even started talking. Before you left your house, you knew that, right? You answered the question that's asked. If you don't know, you let everybody know that you don't know. You understood what your case is about, and you want to be nice and respectful. So those are the four. Now, going into them in a little more detail, the, the first one. Sounds simple, but it's really not. The client needs to understand that a deposition isn't a conversation. The client needs to understand that the case isn't on their shoulders. They don't need to advance the case. They don't need to tell this lawyer everything that they think they should know or want them to know about their case, whether the liability or the injuries or what they're going through. You need to let the client know that all of those things were allowed to present and tell a jury even if they don't ask. In other words, your case isn't affected by your not providing certain information it's not asked for, okay? I just tell them, take it one question at a time. If they ask you what you're not able to do, start talking about who's helping you with it. You know, it's a bad example, but the old saying, if they ask you if you have a watch, the answer is, isn't yes, it's 10.30, it's yes, I have a watch, okay? And you really need to listen to the question carefully. And some people, just by their nature, want to give answers. Some people are uncomfortable with dead time, Nobody's saying anything and they want to start talking. That's why you have to run through this, I think, with your client to get a feel for what their personality is. So the first one is really important. It's listen to the question it's asked and you got to let them know it's important that if they don't ask, you don't need to tell them. You don't need to volunteer information, even if you think it's helpful. Even when you tell them you have a later chance to tell your story at trial,
1: they go through a deposition and, and every so often a client will express frustration out in the hall they're not letting me tell my story. And you have to remind them, don't worry, you'll have a chance to tell your story. But it's really frustrating to sit there when you want to tell your story, because that's what most people think they're going to do in a deposition. That's their gut feeling before you explain what the process is that I have a chance to go in and tell my story and you will have a chance to talk about your story in various ways, but not the way you want to tell it. That's for trial.
0: Yeah. And I tell them when this depositions over, and they can't question you anymore, I can literally pick up the telephone, call the other lawyer, and say, hey, guess what? You didn't ask about this, and at trial, this is what they're gonna say about it. The case isn't on their shoulders, is what I try to convey. Secondly, and I don't want this to sound like you're withholding information, or you're not being completely honest and truthful, because that's absolutely, that's what you wanna do, but, and this is true, and I tell every client this, that without a doubt, 100% certainty, you are going to give incorrect answers to some questions in your deposition. It will happen. You're not going to have accurate information when you're asked about things that happened two, three, four, five, maybe 10 years ago. So how do you deal with that? Well, you deal with that by making sure everybody knows that you're not certain about the answer. In other words, we communicate. You and I have talked about this before. Most of our communication is nonverbal. It's not the words coming out of our mouth. It's our body language, our facial expression, our tone of voice. And so when somebody says, how long have you had back injuries? Or, you know, when is the first time you had a back injury? And somebody kind of looks up in the air, rolls their eyes, waits 20 seconds and says, "Uh, two years? Well, none of that other stuff gets down on the piece of paper, the deposition, as you know. It's two years is the answer. And that two years, when you read it, sounds very definitive. So what I say is, unless you're 100% certain about anything, qualify it and say, okay, well, I'm not really sure, but I think it was about this long. So if somebody says, have you ever had any prior injuries to your back, right? Well, one answer, answer to that could be no, or another answer could be, well, I'm sure I've injured my back here or there over time, but I really can't recall receiving any medical treatment. In other words, tell them everything you know about what they're asking, but if you're not sure about it, qualify it. So again, you need to be careful about that. If you're not sure about an answer, let everybody know that verbally. Let them know, I'm not exactly sure, but here's what I do know about that. I think that helps quite a bit. That sure makes you more comfortable at trial to know that when they were asked about their prior back
1: injuries, they gave their confidence level or expressed they don't recall because that is not easily impeached. If they said no, and the answer is yes, that's a direct conflict. But if the answer is I don't recall, and yet then the opposing attorney pulls out a medical record to say, Yeah, 25 years ago you had a back
0: injury. Well, I didn't recall that. You know, that's consistent with the answer. And the next guideline to follow is make sure your clients have a general understanding of what the case is about. And every case is different. Every client is different. Some cases involve detailed financial transactions where the client has a very intimate involvement in the transaction itself. Other cases, maybe a medical malpractice case, something that occurred during a surgery, the client has no idea what happened and has no information. And it's really not up to the client to formulate what the theories of recovery are in any case, whether it's an auto accident, but they do need to have a fundamental understanding of the theories that are being advanced in the case. And the degree of that understanding, I think, depends a lot on the case and the client. But what you don't want to happen is have them get in a deposition and not be prepared for the question when it's asked. Why are you here? Why are you suing? The answer can be, that's up to my lawyers. I didn't draft the petition. Or it can be because I think the doctor did such and such. But they need to be prepared for that question. And I think you prepare them best by letting them know what we're saying in the case, what we found so far, what our experts have told us, so that they have a general understanding. So the last guideline is the most important, and that is be nice, be respectful, be professional. And I tell my clients, look, it doesn't matter what the other attorney does, whether you think they're being rude or whether you're frustrated or aggravated by the, you know, the questions they are asking or what they're suggesting by their questions, just be polite, be respectful, be nice, yes, sir, uh, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am that's really the way to handle it. And so in summary, those are the four general guidelines. Number one, listen to the question that's asked and answer that question fully and completely. Secondly, if you're not sure about an answer, let everybody know right then and there. Third, make sure that you know basically what the case is about, why you're there, why you're suing. And then four, be nice. Now, after I go over those four Guidelines, what I tell my client is now, you are ready to give a deposition in any case, any time, any place, no matter what it is. If you just follow those four guidelines, it will get you through a deposition, and, and it does. And then, you know, maybe after that, you talk a little bit about what the case is about in a little more detail. But so the other thing, too, and this is something that you do have control over, and that is your client's physical appearance at the deposition. That's a big thing. I always cover what are you going to wear? I tell them if they're churchgoers or something, maybe something that you'd wear to church or an interview or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's right. That You're broadcasting all that nonverbal stuff. And the way they present themselves will go, we presume, into the defense report to the client on the other side that they presented themselves well. They looked like they were professional and believable and they won't be distracting to the jury. So absolutely,
0: it's good stuff. One of the other things that I try to do is go over what I think are problem issues or questions that I see again and again. And I would much rather have the client know why we're there, what the case is about, what we say happened or shouldn't have happened, and what generally what the other side's defenses are. And I think if your client knows that, they're prepared to answer most any question that's, that's asked. But nonetheless, there are certain questions that are pretty specific that I've seen often enough or not just questions, but things that occur in the deposition that you want to avoid. And kind of going through some of those that really, really you know, frustrates me is what I call bobblehead witness. Don't be a bobblehead witness. In other words, if the lawyer is asking you questions and you see yourself going, yes, 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 they're really putting your, their words in your mouth. Is that really the way you'd answer that question? Okay, and it's easy, and you can just say, yes, yes, yes. But again, you got to let the client know they need to listen carefully to what the person is saying and listen to the words they're using, and you might say, yeah, I agree with that. Or you might say, well, not exactly, and then rephrase it the way that you think it should be rephrased.
1: You do see that where it's, it becomes almost like hypnosis, where your client is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a good attorney will slip some things in there, and your client is going, yeah, yeah. And the case might be over. So when that stuff happens, I assume you do this too. You got to take a break and say, we're we're getting into a a bad rhythm here. I need you to be suspicious of everything they ask, to look at each question individually, to make sure you know the four rules that you have. So those are dangerous moments. So I, I need to stop that and reboot, come back in, have the client be focused. That's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed these four guidelines and the discussion that we've had. We're not finished with preparing the client for a deposition. We're going to be coming back for part two. that will go into more detail about preparing your client. See you next time. Take care.
0: John and Eric would like to hear from you. They invite you to email your comments and suggestions to comments at thejuryisout.law. To learn more about the dedicated trial lawyers of the Simon Law Firm, visit simonlawpc.com.